Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTO Resource Q&A. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Kim Swanson. We're here with another FAQ episode. Brian? Sounds good. What do we have this week? This week, does a laboratory have to do field testing if they're accredited for E329 concrete? That's a question I got very recently, actually, and, and it's a little unusual how it comes about because the standard assumes that, and when I say the standard, we're talking about, now this is, gets a little complicated. So the question was originally about E329 concrete. Which is ASTM E329. Sorry. ASTM, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Now, ASTM E329 has a dependency whereby the laboratory or testing testing agency, we'll say testing agency, has to conform or be in our program be accredited for ASTM C1077 concrete. So we split up E329 and C1077 between the different components that are covered by it. E329 covers a lot of different material types and C1077 is for concrete and concrete aggregates. Concrete aggregates are just aggregates used in concrete. They're I not was gonna, special aggregates. I was going to ask that. I was like, is there something different about that? But I was like, I don't think there is. So I'm glad you answered that question preemptively. So thank you. For yeah, that. that is also a sidebar. Frequently <laughs> asked questions. What are concrete aggregates? They are aggregates. Okay, so, so back to the requirement. ASTM C1077 has very specific requirements for which tests or practices need to be included in the laboratory's testing capabilities. And now ASTM C1077 does not require accreditation, but if you are going to be ASHTO accredited, everything that's required is required for accreditation. Whether the standard says you need this for accreditation or not is not something to be concerned with, because if you're talking to us about it, that means that you need to be accredited for it. So back to the question at hand with the field testing. So C1077 requires both laboratory and field testing of concrete be included in those competencies for that testing agency. So the answer is yes. The laboratory does need to be accredited for the concrete field tests in order to be accredited for E329 because E329 is dependent upon C1077, which is dependent upon the testing agency being able to test both laboratory and field tests. I think I'm understanding. Are this. you with me? I maybe. I may be with you. I may not be with you. I think I'm with you. Because I'm not a testing person, so I believe our listeners will probably know the answer to this, but just so I can have a better understanding of this, are the field tests actually done in the field or can they be done in the laboratory and they're just called field tests because they're normally done in the field or what's what's that about? Well, that is the question. So that, that is very astute of you for, for being somebody who says that they're not that familiar with this stuff. Those tests are customarily performed in the field, but they can be performed in the laboratory. 
And actually, there is a standard called ASTM C192, which is the standard test method for making and curing concrete test specimens in the laboratory. So it's a standard practice for doing that. And it does tell you in there that you have to run these field tests and you have to run laboratory tests to be able to carry this out. Now, for those of you in the concrete field testing business, you are used to making specimens in the field according to ASTM C31. ASTM C192 is like ASTM C31, except it's in the laboratory, and it has more information about batching and mixing a little bit more. You know, it has requirements for mixing because you're actually mixing it yourself. Uh, When you're in the field, you're typically getting it out of a fresh concrete mixing truck, also known to many as a cement mixer, which people in the industry are like, you know, just like when somebody says that a sidewalk is cement, you know, it's obviously more than cement. It's concrete. It's got the cement in it, but it's also got sand and aggregate and and water and maybe some other things as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to say I had a light bulb moment when you said that in the field, you're generally getting it already mixed. And that was like, oh, that makes way more sense now on why that's separated in the standards. Because I was like, I'm not mm-hmm. getting the difference. So when you put it in that, those terms, that seemed to make more sense for me because I honestly wasn't thinking it of it in along those lines. So thank well, you. Well, that, that's good. I'm glad. I'm always happy to hear that something makes sense that I say. That, that always it's hit or miss. It's if, if I could if I could just get that kind of feedback on the uh, different episodes, I'd be pretty happy. I mean, we love listener feedback. We have yet to get any, really. So send that in. Yeah, thank you. I do hear anecdotal feedback every once in a while. Somebody will say, hey, I heard this and I liked it because of something that came up. Or maybe I was just having a conversation with them and I said, oh, wow, I didn't know you listened to it. So thank you. And I appreciate hearing feedback. Uh But yeah, so ASTM C1077, one thing that I would like to see happen in ASTM C1077 is I would love it if there was an option for the testing agency to perform either C31 or C192, but that is currently not in there. And that would really accommodate those testing agencies that would ask such a question as, do I need to run these field tests? Because maybe they are customarily a laboratory that doesn't have field technicians or field testing services or inspection services. So a, a, a testing agency like that would be better suited to be accredited for C192 instead of C31. So Brian, you've mentioned C192 as a standard that does more laboratory. Is that a standard that the ASHTO accreditation program accredits for or no? It is. And and it's actually not that uncommon for a, a testing agency in our program to maintain accreditation for ASTM C192. But I will say it really is a small number if you compare it to the amount of laboratories that are or testing agencies that are accredited for ASTM C31. And I actually have the numbers mm. uh, for you through the, the power of editing. I was able to magically <laughs> just come up with these numbers. Currently, the ASHTO accreditation program has uh, 1,345 laboratories that are accredited for ASTM C31 compared with 364 laboratories that are accredited for C192. So pretty big gap, but 
364 is nothing to sneeze at. That's a decent number if you look at the overall laboratories in the program. And we have a little over 2,000 laboratories that are in our program right now. Uh, so that's not that small of a percentage if you look at it over the over the entire population of accredited laboratories. All right. And so does the ASHO accreditation program accredit for a lot of what would be typically thought of as field tests? We do. And the most common ones are the concrete field tests. So the you know, I just gave you that number, 1,345. So that, that C31 is a, a concrete field standard. That's a lot of laboratories. I mean, I mentioned what the total is. That's over half of the laboratories in the program are accredited for that. Okay, if you look at another another field test, which re- is really popular, is ASTM D6938. And that's the standard test method for in-place density and water content of soils by nuclear methods. Also, you know, people know that as just the nuke gauge test for soil. That uh, we currently have 1,011 laboratories that are AASHTO accredited for that one. Uh, So pretty common. So when you look at laboratory accreditation, it's often not just confined to the laboratory. It's laboratory and whatever field tests originate from that laboratory facility. So that is something that does get asked sometimes also, you know, that wasn't one of the things we were going to really planning on talking about today, but that is also a question, you know, that what, where does that extend to, you know, how does, how does the accreditation extend beyond the confines of this laboratory structure? Because we do say that accreditation is site specific. And the answer is that it is whatever is in the confines of that laboratory building that's listed as the address for the laboratory that's accredited and whatever field tests or field inspection methods, whatever the case may be that's covered in your accreditation, originate from that or dispatch from that laboratory. There are some times where in a larger metropolitan area that there might be two accredited sites for a laboratory and there's some muddling of the field technician deployment. But what we really try to do is capture what's being deployed from that site that's listed under the accreditation. It's possible field techs may swap back and forth, depending on what the needs are. But we can sort that out with those laboratories when we go through the accreditation process. Well, thank you for some insights on that. I did have another question that I think we get a lot, and it's kind of topic adjacent to the field tests in ASTM E329. But because we have it in our accreditation listing as ASTM E329 parentheses concrete, I was wondering if you could share a little more details or talk a little bit more about those parentheticals that we'll have sometimes shown on the ASHTO accreditation directory and what those mean and what they don't mean and what they cover and all that fun stuff. The parenthetical statements are really important when you're looking at the directory, the accreditation directory listings, because they they give you specificity about what that accreditation extends to. So like I said in the beginning, ASTM E329, it's a, a general quality management system standard, but it has really specific requirements that cover all sorts of different material types. So you may look at a listing and they may have E329 listed several times, but for different things. So they may say E329 soil, E329 concrete, E329 masonry, goes on and on. But we we wanna be specific about what the limitations are for the application because some of the specifiers 
are really clear about what they are requiring. And we want to make sure that people are not assuming that just because someone is accredited for E329, that that automatically gives them license to conduct tests or or, uh, make some declaration about conformance for things that we haven't even looked at. We try to be specific in that regard. Now, there are other other things that we also are specific about that include parentheticals, other ASTM quality management system standards, you know, like ASTM C1077, we talked about there's a concrete and there's an aggregate for that. Same thing with ASTM D3666, that's any sort of asphalt. Uh, so it could be asphalt binder, it could be emulsified asphalts, could be asphalt mixtures, and could be the aggregates that are used in the asphalt mixtures, which oddly are not called asphalt mixture aggregates, uh, like they're called concrete aggregates when, they, when they're used in concrete. I don't know why that is. Okay, I won't ask then. Yeah, thank you. And there are other there are other things like that too. And, and generally, what it's doing is it, it's it's imposing some sort of limitation. We have we have another one that's relatively common, where if you have a hot mix or asphalt mixture testing firm that does not, uh, they they maybe are generally testing field materials, and they don't have a method of compaction in their laboratory, they can still maintain accreditation. So what they're doing is they're getting already mixed material they're testing it for maximum specific gravity that's usually what they're doing and then they're also testing cores of road compacted materials to determine the bulk specific gravity and then a lot of times they figure out the air voids from there but anyway those laboratories will get a notation on their account that says cores after it so it'll say it'll have a test method that they perform only on cores and what that does, that tells the specifier that they're not compacting, they're only testing on cores, but it also tells us, our, our staff, that we are not to expect to see test data on the proficiency samples for compacted specimens because they can't compact at that laboratory. So there's a couple of things going on with some of those designations. Some of it is for internal use and some of it is for external, well, all of it is really applicable for external use, but some of it also helps us make sure that we're not having expectations for conformance that should not be in place because of the limitations of the laboratory. I think that makes sense. But I'm going to invite any listeners so. that have further que- <laughs> I'm going to invite any <laughs> listeners that have further questions about this to email podcast@ashdayresource.org and we can help answer some of those questions or you can just honestly email info at ashdayresource.org and we'll get that question answered to you directly. And, and if you tuned out for most of that explanation and you're just uh, perking up right now and you're wondering, what was the answer to the question? The question is, yes, uh, a laboratory is expected to perform field tests in order to be accredited for E329 concrete. My eyes may have glassed over for a, a little bit of your explanation, but I think I'm back now. I think I got it all. I think we covered this thoroughly. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you get asked a lot that you'd want to share with our listeners? We, we try to accredit the laboratory for what is appropriate for them. And, and it's good for them to ask these kind of questions while they're going through the process. I, and I would say the people that they should ask first is CCRL. You know, CCRL provides the assessments and the proficiency samples that lead to ASHTO accreditation for concrete methods. So what they should do when they request their assessment with CCRL is make sure that they understand what they are getting into uh, make sure the 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 person who's going to be 
performing that assessment is aware of what you are able to present so that they don't think that there is a problem. I will maybe one up you here, Brian, maybe not. I'm not sure. Please do. But should the laboratory or testing agency first check with their specifying agency who's requiring accreditation before they ask either AASHTO accreditation program or CCRL about what they need? They should, should they not clarify what they actually need to be accredited for and what accreditations they need to hold before the assessment takes place? That would be wise. That should really be the first step in the process. Anytime you're thinking about or wondering, do I need to get AASHTO accredited or do I need to get accredited period or do I need to participate in it, one of these programs, figure out what the need is. Because you may you may go, you know, I, I just laid out these different scenarios where you might not have certain testing capabilities. If the specifier says, oh no, you need to have those testing capabilities or we're not going to consider you for this project, then you better get those testing capabilities before you request the assessment. So I, I, when I was talking about the cores mm-hmm. designation, if that one of those testing firms is trying to get on a project where they have to be able to do their own, mix in the laboratory, confirm the mix design, compact specimens, then they need to get that equipment. They need to train their staff. They need to. They may need to get certain certifications for uh, technicians. It all depends on what that project requires what that specifier requires. So that is the first step. You are correct. First step is figure out what you need, and then you can reach out to Astro Resource or CCRL and figure out if they can do it. Yeah, and I will say, we've talked about this in other podcast episodes, but the Astro Accreditation Program and Astro Resource are not trying to get you to be accredited for more things than you need to be. We want to be effective and efficient, and to do that, we don't know what you need to be accredited for as a testing laboratory. You tell us and we provide that service. So we don't really know based on the projects that you're bidding on and where you're working and things. Like we can tell if you're meeting the conformance to the standards, but what is required of you, we don't know. And we're not going to try to add more things to your accreditation that you don't need. We only want you to be accredited for what's useful for you. Yeah, and and it only ends in frustration when people don't think about that. I've run into that so many times where we have laboratories that aren't sure what they need or they've been getting accredited for things that they never do. Mm -hmm. And then they get, of course, because they don't do them, they're not good at the, you know, at whatever those things are. So then when they have an assessment, they do poorly. When they test a proficiency sample, they get bad results, which is expected because, I mean, why would you be good at something you don't do? I mean, that's that's an unrealistic expectation, right? So we would rather you focus on your core competencies. uh, And if there are core competencies that you should have for your project, get better at that and then go through the process because we want you to have a good experience. Yes, we do. All right. I think that covered everything. We went on a couple different tangents. Yeah, I think we went on, we we took the listener on a ride today. Hopefully everyone hung on and followed along and we answered all their questions and then some. Kim, thank you for um, facilitating the tangents. Uh, (laughs) Normally I do those on my own, but it, it always helps to have a guide. I'm here for the tangents and for the FAQ as well. So thank you for your time and sharing all of your information with us today, Brian. All right. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820.
For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.